0: All right, what's up, guys? Welcome to a new episode of Sawyer Saloon. I'm your host Jacob Gidry, and I have with me JP Leonard, the man, the Lafayette comedy scene. How's it going, JP?
1: I'm good, doing good, man. How's things?
0: I'm doing excellent, man. Just got off of work, ready to talk about some comedy.
1: Cool. Is my hair okay? Can you? It looks All great. It
0: looks great. Mine looks a little I'll wet. T- I've I've been sweaty playing Fortnite. So. <laughs>
1: Oh, okay, I played Call of Duty and then took a nap, so you know, good time. So
0: nice, yeah. yeah. I had to tell my uh, my roommate; he's in the other room playing Call of Duty right now. I had to tell him to not scream "fuck" so loud when he dies.
1: Oh yeah, I I, I represent. Does he play like? Does he play Plunder or, does he, play Plunder or does he does the other one? Which one does he do?
0: He does Warzone.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so I I don't have people to play with, but like I'm a Plunder man because I can you know okay. I can get like a million dollars myself. Mm-hmm. But uh, every now and then I jump on there, so you know, give get, give I'll give you my username and then you know. I need people to to play with, so, you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We'll we'll hop on there. Well, man, I met you, let's see, I met you a few months ago in Lafayette because you were in the comedy scene there. Yeah. And so tell me, I'm just kind of interested, like, how did you get your start in comedy and how did you end up in
1: Lafayette? Uh, Well, I I grew up in Morgan City, um, and then I moved here for college, and then I just stayed. And then, you know, when I got together my wife. She moved here. Before we got married, she moved here. She works at the university, and I was in education. Still am. Um, and then I did music for like, you know, 14 years. And then, uh, I was booking bands at this bar and, um, I met these comedians from New Orleans and they're like, if you ever want to try it, you know, let's let us know. So I booked them for a monthly Wednesday show and I didn't even go the first couple of months because I had band practice. And then I went one time, they're like, Hey, we're doing an open mic. And I was like, I never knew you could do comedy. Like I've only seen like big comedy. I never went to like a local comedy show because there really wasn't any. And so I, uh, I was like, all right, well, and then when they did the first open mic, I was like, okay, I'll go. And then uh, I was like, if, you know, if it works, my first set works, I'll keep doing it. And then it did. And then I started like kind of, you know, learning, going to Baton Rouge, going to New Orleans, you know, I'll drop to two hours, go do, you know, three minutes. And then, you know, just hang out and watch. That's yeah. my biggest thing. If you're not watching, you, you shouldn't even be on it. So, um, did that. And then bands weren't working. And so I was like, hey, man, look, uh, you know, I, I can do, do more comedy if you want. And he goes, all right, every Friday's comedy night. And he gave me a budget. And so it was like, what? And so we would hire. So, what I did instead of doing an open mic first, I would hire a headliner and, like, all right, I'll give you 75 bucks. And then I'd mm-hmm. give another, per- if you bring a feature, I'll give them at least 20. And then, you know, and then it got to a point. Um, where the first hour was like a good book show. Um, because I always say my worst fear for someone, your first time coming to comedy shows to watch an open mic. So uh so you got the first hour and it was a good book show, and then we would like sometimes we take a little five minute break or we'll roll right into the open mic, and then that's what started it. And then that kind of started the shows, and then um so that was about a year, the first year or so. And then in uh, February oh, 2015, that's what I started bringing. Like that's when I brought national comedians. And the first one was Tom Segura. And then that one was just mind blowing. And then then we just started rolling from there. So,
0: Oh yeah, he's, he's great, man. I love Tom Segura.
1: Yeah, we got him. Luckily, we got him right before the Netflix special kind of exploded. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was completely normal, but that was my first mm-hmm. show. It was like completely sold out. You know, we we probably could have done two shows that night. It was crazy, and then that was it. And then that year, you know, from Mike Lawrence to Nate Bargatze to you know so many comedians, you know, we brought to this little small hole in the wall bar, and then it just kind of grew from there.
0: That's awesome, man! Because yeah, y'all y'all have uh, a few different locations that you do shows at now, and I mean, I can see uh, yeah. on the screen behind you. I mean, y'all got quite a lineup of people coming in.
1: Yeah, we just had uh, Robert Kelly, which was like one of the best things I've ever experienced. Let's see if I can get that a little bigger. That fills it up. Uh, Robert Kelly, two nights. Um, this Friday, we got uh, Eric Bergstrom. We got Kurt Brunel coming. We got Carlos Mencia, Matt Bronger, uh, Kyle Kinane, Sarah Tolomash. I mean, uh, Louis Katz is coming back again. Dan Van Kirk. I mean, we Billy Wayne Davis is coming back. So we've got – plus, you know, Shane Gillis. Mm -hmm. um yeah we we just rolling um it's just a matter of like you know getting these shows to sell and making sure they sell um and and look that we've been lucky they've been they've been doing well we just had miss pat two weeks ago and that was like Mm -hmm. you know outrageous 250 people you know so um yeah we just keep rolling
0: that's awesome so i have a question about from so when 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 was this when you first started like when you first started doing the stand-up
1: it would have been 2014, I think, okay. you know, and all we had, all we had was one mic. And then, um, and then there was another show at JP's as far that's closed. Whereas where I started actually bringing the national shows. Um, so mm-hmm. we actually had two mics, but I was like hosting mine and then go and do that one. But I would, I would only do like one show a week. So I just, I was so burnt out, you know, I was still kind of right. playing music a little at the time. Um, but yeah, about then. And so I, I like to say like, a Lafayette comedy years is, you know, is equal to like, I don't know, two years in New York or some, a bigger scene, you know, you mm-hmm. can, you can go to New Orleans and do, you know, seven nights a week over here. You know, you can do t- two max, you know? Right. Yeah.
0: So what, what was the first joke that you ever wrote?
1: Oh man. it Well, I don't know. Cause when the idea, so I actually was in, a band of mine was playing a bar called Boudreaux and Thibodeaux in Baton Rouge. <laughs> and we showed up one night and it was a, it was a four twenty show. I remember that. And they're like, Hey, we're doing a comedy show. And I'm like, okay, well, that makes sense. And you know, I remember it was blue duck productions, which was some Baton Rouge people or mm-hmm. someone, but they put it on. I remember like, you know, comedians like Josh Watts, um, a few other comedians um, were on this show. And I remember it, it was, it's the thing where you watch it and you go, no, it could be funnier than that. You know, not, not anyone in particular. It was just like, Oh, I can do that. And wow. I remember like, I, I kind of in my head started thinking of things. And then it wasn't until like, Oh, we're doing this open mic where I was just like, all right, let me just write stuff down. And I had a, I had a page typed out page and a half, two, two columns on the front, one column on the back. And I just had it like word for word, what I was going to do. And there was people there and the first time I got up that I knew I was doing CrossFit for like a summer which you know whatever that didn't work out uh, and those people I knew and I have it on film no one will mm-hmm. ever see it uh, but someone I know was there and they filmed it for me and I mean, my, first, my first job was essentially a Mitch Hedberg rip off but it was kind of like my little break the ice it was I used the same setup but I just changed everything else mm-hmm. and then after that I mean I just went into stuff and it was like I, I, every now and then I'll go back to it and listen to it. And like, I still have some of those elements and some bits because it was like stuff you thought about for a long time. Um, but yeah, that was it. And that was just uh, been all downhill from there <laughs> or uphill either way. Yeah. Whatever. I will say there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I will say, man, I, when I went, I went, cause I went to the open mic that you have a few weeks back and you did. Um, and I even talked to you about it bef- uh, afterwards when you did the whole section of just like the one-liners mm, mm-hmm. killed it. That was, I thought that was so hilarious. Cause that's, I, a lot of my jokes are, you know, like one-liner set up, or I like telling dad jokes and that's what like every single one of those was. And it was, just, so I just think, hilarious.
1: I think in the beginning I started, I was more shorter on bits. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I think it was just the, the, the nature of it. Uh, and it took me a while before my bits started to get longer. Um, and then, you know, I think like one of the longest <clears throat> ones I have is the, the gross bit about buying the cereal, which is like mm-hmm. I did it Mobile a couple of weeks ago. And someone's like, you know, that joke's like almost five minutes long. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know it's a good something, good, to, but it has so many pieces. It fits together. I think the only other longest joke I ever have was uh, or bit was the um, is that man, it's a hot one bit, which goes like almost seven minutes, eight minutes, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but for the longest, it was just short little pieces. Um, and a lot of those became bigger bits, but every now and then, I, you know, I threatening a quick comedy every week at open mic. Um, uh, but when, I, every now and then I'm just like, you know what, it's, it's one liners time. And I just, I just love doing it because it's a different delivery. It's a different way you can sell it. Uh, I don't think I could be a one liner comic. Cause I, I don't think I could remember all that, you know, but it's like keywords, you know, uh, I don't know it's kind of every now and then I go back to it and it kind of inspires me like oh okay let's just you know let's try those again so
0: yeah I feel like because uh, I know Mark and I know you know Mark Norman but like he I feel like he's yeah, yeah. a very like like one line like and it, and, it, and he but he kills it every time like he just the way that he's like been able to like he's mastered the delivery on
1: it. yeah so like, yeah he's it up He's like the the classics, you know, like boom, 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 joke, joke. You know, he puts stuff together, so it doesn't feel like one liners. But it's ba- right. it's it's very, you know, set up punch line, set up punch line. Yeah. You know, yeah, love it.
0: So you said you went to to Mobile. So you you sound like you go all over the place. What's the what's the worst show you've ever been to, and what's the best show you've ever
1: been to? Oh man, um, so yeah, so I went to Mobile. So I had like it finally like it's now because I have so many shows that it's like when I get a chance to go somewhere, it's like nice. So the week before that I did, we had Shane tours here and then I went and do a show in New Orleans with him. And then that following week was Sean Patton. And then I went to Mobile with him. Um, so yeah, anytime I can, I can travel like this week, I got Eric Bergstrom on Friday. Then I'm doing two shows with him in Houston on Saturday and then the Creek and cave in Austin on Sunday, which is like that. I, I I'm, I get nauseous when I think about it because that's that's a big staple. Besh, um, hang on, you still there? Sorry, I was getting another call. Okay, good. Um, um, when I think the worst show, I don't know. I mean, you do shows, and in the night, you're just like, uh, like I had a show. Used to have a monthly show at the Double Tree, and it was uh, we had six people in the audience, and we had like seven comedians. I mean, that was. That it was so bad it became fun because we just all laughed at it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, um, that was very early on when I started doing shows. There it was like a monthly Thursday show. So, of course, you know, um, man, I, I think as far as the best ones, I don't know because there's so many elements of what makes it really good. Like mm-hmm. the ones, you know, the, the ones that stand out are like having the national comedians come in, you know, the big comedians. And then you do a set and then when you get off people are like hey this is great um i think probably one of my favorite ones that really made me stretch legs is uh uh january right before COVID. um we had mark norman so it was like sold out we were 300 plus people in that room and um it was like two days before we recorded out to lunch and he Mm -hmm. uh i was like all right who you bringing he's like no one. It's just me and you and you're like you do 25 and i was like (laughs) Ooh, all right, and there was like, and then it was weird because like not only am I the host, but I'm also like the opener feature altogether. Mm-hmm. And then it was him, and so you know he did he ran his full hour, and then I did like twenty I did twenty five up top, and like that was one where you got off, and you like I feel like a real boy, you know. It's kind of yeah. You know. So those, I mean, there's different shows that just they stand out for different reasons. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it just I guess it just varies on uh, on what's happening, you know. Mm-hmm. I think the the biggest show I ever did is I opened for uh, Jim Brewer at the Hard Rock in Biloxi, and it was uh, it was the September October right before COVID. Uh, I was supposed to do altercation Fest, and like on that Wednesday, I got a call asking me to open. So the guy who ran the festival was like, "Yeah, go do that." And so um, it was like 1,200 plus people, and they wanted 15 minutes completely clean, you know, like a you know Hard Rock, like almost sold out. And I went out there and that was, and there's no host. It's just basically, you know, they introduce you from the, you know, the God Mike and you go out there and I never forget. I had my watch and I, I, should, I should have recorded. Why didn't I record it? But I set my watch a timer. So I was like 15 minutes. Okay. I'm going to, here's my last bit. I, I had it going off at like 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I remember cause there's TVs all over with my big dumb face on there. So that was weird. And I'm watching that. And, and then, I did a something where I one of my jokes where I referenced like Morgan City where I'm from and like people started screaming and I just went with it like, <laughs> like like cheering. I'm like, oh, that's my grandma, that's my, you know, that's my dad or whatever, you know, just stupid stuff. And then I remember my 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 Apple Watch vibrating and I'm like, who's calling me? And I'm like, I turned off I'm in my head, you know, I'm doing the bits, but I'm thinking, who's calling me? I'm on airplane mode. And then I looked down after a punchline and it was the timer. And I'm like, I wasn't even like 60% through my set it was just one of those where it was like punch you know just having fun right. and I think like finishing that and then having to remember oh yeah I gotta bring up Jim Brewer and then walking off that stage and going oh and my wife's like texting me like she bought me Ruth Chris that night that's how well I was so uh yeah it that that's probably one of the um I think that's one of the biggest milestone is just being able to get up in front of that many people you know it was it was it was that was pretty unique so
0: Yeah, that sounds like a very surreal experience because you get up there on stage and like you said, your face is all over all of these TVs.
1: Yeah, there's there's the big screens behind me on each side of the stage. And then I can see around the bar. That's my like, that's my dumb face. Why did I wear this shirt? I'm fat, you know, all these (laughs) things. Um, But yeah, that was probably and then like walking through the casino floor and people like, oh, great chat. I'm just like, oh, you know, yeah, that was that was unique, you know.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So do you do you have an end goal with comedy? Or are you just kind of rolling with it, man. Uh,
1: it's it's kind of double sided. Um, I approach it for the performing thing for me as a, a comedian. I, I approach it like I did in music. I'm not out there trying to make it. I'm not you know I'm not trying to sell myself. I'm not trying to like submit packets or anything. I am like I want to be good enough where one is a host, no matter if it's a local show or a national show, a national comedian show. I want to be good enough where I just don't suck and then where I can go and and go with them to go, you know, go to, go to this place, go to this place and be with them on a show. And it does it and, and hold my own, you know, kind of, kind of thing. Um, if something happens, great, that would be great. But just like when I was in music, like I'm not trying to make it, um, you know, i got my day job and that, you know, maybe. Uh, if something comes along, I don't know if, if, I write a stupid joke and it takes off and people call and yeah, great. That's, that'll be great. Um, so per- performance wise is just to keep my scene going, keep my shows going, uh, and be able to go have some fun and go out of town and do some shows, uh, on the promoter side, it's basically just to keep bringing in like, you know, great comedians to town, um, and make those shows work, and then also to just keep doing, you know, like the local showcases and, and all that, just making them work, make a legit scene, and then you know just keep building it from there.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, man. I really, I don't, I really admire like the scene and everything you've done because, like, I, I drive there almost every Thursday to go, and it's it's kind of like what you're yeah, talking yeah. about, like hey, you go to New Orleans or something, like you're driving just to, you're driving two hours to New Orleans to do three minutes. You know? Yeah, and it's like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a very awesome, and it's, there's, there's, like, there's a weird feeling you get when you go up on stage, and, like, you tell, like, you tell a joke, and, like, you make people laugh, like, all right, yeah, that worked, and then, like, you know, because I, you know, I've had those bad nights where I had, <sighs> so I did, I did two open mics in Baton Rouge back-to-back whenever they reopened back up, and the first time I went, I told jokes that I hadn't told to that crowd before, but I knew work, and it was, like, my top three jokes, and killed it and so the next week I was like all right I'm going back they love me there I'm gonna kill it it's gonna be so good just got real cocky and it was all Mm. new stuff because I was like I need to try out this new stuff and I didn't practice it I didn't know it well enough I got up there and I bombed so hard and so it's it's there's a lot of like behind the scenes like hard work stuff that like pays off whenever you go up there and you actually do it right Cause like you get up there, like you said, like you walked off stage, you know, like everyone's suddenly like, Oh, congratulations. Like, like, you know, it was good set. And, you're, and you're just, I don't, it's just, it's almost like it's an adrenaline rush and I love oh, yeah. it. And getting, getting, just getting that adrenaline rush. And it's, I, I wouldn't say I'm a junkie for it, but I love going every Thursday so I could get that adrenaline.
1: Yeah. I tell uh, people it's the best feeling in the world. If it works, it's amazing like you get off and it feels great but if you bomb it's the worst loneliest feeling in the world and I learned that quick like um, early on I went to New Orleans to do uh, some shows and there was two shows it was on a Monday night so the first one um, I went up set was great like I left there feeling like oh this is so good and then went to another show used to be at Siberia which was comedy and burlesque so it was like two comedians and then burlesque dancers too. And I did the same exact bit and it was not well. And I always say it takes one person in the audience to laugh, to make everyone laugh. And it takes one person not to laugh, to make no one laugh. I don't know. It could have been them. It could have been me. It could have been the moon, but it just, I left there like, but I learned early on, like, okay, sometimes I try not to ever like go, I'm going to do well because that's the worst because you're you know you can just only go out there and do your bit and kind of live in the moment (laughs) but if you go in there too cocky and you get your ass handed to you boy it's it sucks so bad you know
0: it does I found after that I I found that the best thing to do is to like like you like we talked about like know what you're gonna say and then like if like if I know my bits and I go out there and I do it to the best of my ability but no one laughs, laughs Mm-hmm. I don't I don't feel that bad afterwards. I'm like, okay, I, I did it to the best of my ability. Now it's up to them whether or not they're gonna laugh. And if they didn't laugh, how can I come back and fix it for next time?
1: Yeah, what did I do? Did I, Was it my look? Was it the way I said something? What you know and, and little things throw me off. Like my shows, I'm controlling the sound, so I'm pretty okay with it. But if I go do a show and if the mic's too hot, And I feel I'm too loud. I get quieter and it Mm -hmm. changes my whole tone. It changes my whole rhythm. And i just, and it it messes my head up. Like it's Mm -hmm. so stupid. Or if I see a certain person in the audience, you know, like that's in my head, especially like my shows. Cause like, oh, someone who is in my field that I work with, I'm like, do they know I do comedy? Well, they know I do now, but like, what do I do? How far do I, that gets, that gets big into my head. It's too loud uh <laughs> uh but that gets big in my head and it messes mm-hmm. me up um and so i mean it's just it's a learning you have to learn to roll with it and adjust but uh but yeah when i get thrown off that's uh, and if it doesn't work and then sometimes you just get a brain fart you know and yeah. it's just you know uh, sometimes you call an audible and it's uh i had that saturday the, this past week in the first robert kelly show on friday mm-hmm. was great no one can do anything wrong and then on Saturday, it messed everyone up. There was this lady and this man, and they just would not stop talking. And it got to a point where like they kind of calmed it down, but like they threw me off. And then everyone else was okay. And then when Robert got up there, he he lost his <clears throat> he lost his cool and like told this lady, you, you know, it, he blessed her very nicely um but also called her several things and then she's but it threw him off so after the show because i ended up telling him like hey you gotta stop or you get kicked out and she got mad and left but after the show he's like that woman threw he goes like i couldn't talk i threw my rhythm off i was saying words differently and I'm like i'm so glad to hear that because that happens to me too and it just takes one mm-hmm. little comment and you're like you know getting a hit so to hear a pro doing that who's been doing it for 30 years it's like okay i don't feel so bad but how do you recover from that, you know? But he owns her, you know, and that's the thing. You can either let them beat you up or you can lean into them and tell them to shut up without telling them to shut up. But sometimes you got to tell them to shut up, you know? And so I don't. Yeah. those little things mess me up so much.
0: I find sometimes too, like I've seen uh, like other comedians do it. Like I remember watching Andrew Schultz one time and they, somebody like, kept, like talked back in the crowd about something. And so like he engaged her. And I mean that's a skill on mm-hmm. its own, being able to engage the crowd. But a lot of the times when someone's doing that and like the comedian like stands up and is like, Hey, will you be quiet? Like, hey, we're having a show up here. And mm-hmm. then, like, because like because the rest of the crowd's thinking the same thing too. But it's kind of like the when all it takes is one person to laugh. So he says something, that one person, and then everyone like kind of cheers that on. And then that person yeah. realizes, like, okay, yeah, it's probably be quiet.
1: You know? I mean, there's a thing between crowd work. Because crowd work is comedian instigated, you know? And sometimes there'll be something funny that'll happen and they roll with it. But it's not crowd work when the crowd's just, when that person's just saying something. I mean, because, you know, Robert Kelly spent most of his time, like he builds jokes where it's interactive because no matter what the show, he's going to find someone that he can can mess with, Mm -hmm. go into like make it really personable and then lead into the next bit. And it keeps it so, I haven't seen anyone who did that where like the crowd was so entertained the whole time. Um, but when it's uninvited, man, it, it just, you know, it, it's, it's bad, you know?
0: Yeah. It throws you off. And a lot of the times they, like the people who do it when you tell them to be quiet or something, they're like, what do you mean? Like it throws, it throws them off. And you're like, like we're here, we're here for the show. We're here to be entertained. Not to hear you listen to you talk. You know. Yeah.
1: Some people don't understand what comedy is and how you act at a show because, <clears throat> if you live in a place where there's not comedy, you're not used to it, you know? But I mean, some people know, but they've seen enough comedy. They've seen this. They've seen that. Um, they should know, but some people are just oblivious to the world. And some people just, they, they don't have social cues. And then, you know, you get those people and that's what it was. And it's like, and then I knew the person who, who gave them the tickets and like, I, I was letting him know And he was like, "Apologize." I'm like, "It's not your fault. I'm I'm apologizing because I pissed off your neighbor." But you know, one of those, it's just how it is. But luckily, we don't have those a lot. Very rarely do we have someone who disrupts a show, and I've maybe had to kick out less than five people the whole entire time I've been doing comedy. So that's that's actually nice, you know.
0: Yeah, that's a plus for sure. Yeah, man, that's awesome. So you got any uh you got
1: any shows coming up that you uh, that you want to plug? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, all of them really. <laughs> uh, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, if you yeah, if you go to LafayetteComedy.com, uh you'll find out all our stuff. So we do a weekly uh open mic every Thursday here in Lafayette at the Worst Beer Garden. And then we do uh, a monthly we do monthly showcases like Stone versus Drunk versus Sober, which is huge. And then we just do like two, you know, co- you know, co- touring comedians, not like national comedians, just, you know, local regional comedians come through. Um, and then, you know, all the national shows. So, you know, our big ones, uh, you know, Kurt Brown, uh, Mencia, um, Billy Wayne Davis, Kyle Kinane, you know, we, we've, got, we've got so many coming and we got so many that we're trying to find spots for right now. That's the other thing too, because I use venues. I don't have, there's no comedy clubs here. So right. I have to rent out venues. Todd Berry. That's another one. I can't believe I forgot that one but like, so right now I'm using like three different venues. So, um, it's all about what's open and will this comedian fit there? You know, is it a good fit for that? So, um, yeah, so I'm just man, I just keep running. They've been working. Um, so really it's just trying to, you know, keep, keep that. I, I, my goal is to break even or better, you know, and if the end of the night, once I take care of the comedian and the openers and, uh, expenses for the venue and advertising. And for like, if it reads zero, I am okay because it's all about, it, it gets me to the next show. Mm-hmm. I'm not losing money. And it, it opens up like maybe these people never been a comedy before and they come to this show and then they come back for more. So that, that's, that's all it is. Yeah. Ideally, I want to sell out every show and, and make money and then, you know, you know, drink with my pinky out and all that, you know, but, um, then again, I, I do an open mic in a tent in South Louisiana, so I can't be that cocky, you know. <laughs>
0: so how has how has the reception? Real quick, how's the reception been towards like opening up comedy again after uh, after COVID?
1: Oh man! So we started back. We we waited a good bit, and so we started back in October, but at the beer garden because that's um, outdoors. You know, it's a big performance tent, but that's outdoors. So we felt. Better and safer, so I kept everything safe. So you know, we we told, you know, we told the audience, make sure you you know wear masks, follow all the local guidelines, you know. And so that part's you know on the bar, um, but for the for the comedians, I was worried about keeping them safe. So I you know disposable mic covers, sanitizer. I would use three microphones, one just for me, uh, and then switch out the microphones for each one. That was my main focus, and I didn't know how it was going to be in our first show in October you know we we had so many people that we all like <laughs> there was a lot of I had like a lot of regret like oh you know there was that many people yeah. um but people <clears throat> rolled and it was outside which you know it's 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 safer because you know all that um so we did that and November we had shows Sean Patton came through uh actually at the end of October um then November we had shows and then we took December off just cause I was like, okay, I, I was kind of psyching myself out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we started back, uh, you know, with the outdoor shows in January and then in February was the, um, first shows at the double tree, which is the big shows. And that was, you know, five Mark Norman shows and those, you know, all sold out. So people were rolling from there. Um, I mean, people were hungry. I mean, you know, for a local show with no known comedians, You know, we were selling 60 to 90 advance tickets, not even counting what happens at the door, which which is I wish, you know, I wish I sold 90 tickets in advance sometimes for my national shows. Um, So that was an eye opener. And it was just like, all right, people, people were ready for something. And I think, you know, comedy is just great. And so we had a lot of new people come out to shows because they're like, what else are we to do? Can't go watch bands we'll go watch comedy outside. And then from there, it's just, it's been going well. It's kind of weird. It's kind of slowed down as far as like people buying tickets in advance, you know, the summer Mm -hmm. and everything. Um, But it's the day before a show and day of is where the, most of the tickets been selling. So that's kind of, kind of nervous, nervous for me, but um, you know, it's been, it's been rolling and, you know, just bringing in different types of comedians, um, different crowds, you know, um, you know, from different, walks of life different races different styles that's you know that's you know this has been the most diverse year because it's finally you know it's it's able and, and it's also like built no one would come to Lafayette so I would only get comedians if they were going to Houston or New Orleans and everyone wants to go there because that's a vacation so I right. used to have to like really work it now you know New Orleans was a getting show, so I, would, I get most of the shows now, you know, they're not going to Baton Rouge, they're not going to New Orleans, so they come in Lafayette, so it was over years of like really working where it kind of put us on the map, so now, you know, we're getting people from Baton Rouge, New Orleans coming to our shows because they want to see so-and-so, Miss Pat or, you know, or whoever, so that's, that's been like an eye-opener in the fact that, you know, people, it's like Lafayette's finally on the comedy map, and that's, yeah. I never thought that would happen. So it's, you know, it's just keep, keep doing that,
0: you know. Yeah, it's exciting, man. Cause uh, no telling where it'll grow from there, especially if, you know, you keep it up. Like you said, just make sure you get the next show.
1: Yeah, that's it, man. As long as I keep successful. Um, and I keep saying, you know, I'm working on it, but as soon as I get Dave a tail, then I can retire. Like that's it. That's my goal is to, you know, it's always been to get Dave a tail here. Um, and once I do, nah, I have no more goals after that. Really, <laughs> there's no one else that I'm like, oh, I need to get no, I'm done. And like, then, and then it's like, okay, well, if I want to keep it great, if not, I'm, I'm done, I'll retire on top, you know, with David Tell, that's it. So.
0: so. Why Dave? Is he your favorite comedian?
1: Yeah. He's, he's easily one of my favorites, man. I used to, even when I played music um, I would like, you know, play out of town. I have to drive home. Last thing I want to do was listen to music. So I would just put on the, you know, skanks for the memories, which is a legendary album. And I would just listen to that, you know, sometimes twice in a row, like come back from New Orleans. I can listen to that two times, <clears throat> you know, um, Mitch Hedberg was one of my favorites, you know, I can't get him anymore. Um, you know, I've had most of my favorite comedians don't, you know, Attell and Rory Scoville mm-hmm. are my big ones. And I was supposed to have Rory last year and then COVID messed that up. But like, you know, Sean Patton, I've had him. Canaan, I have him. I got him coming up again um uh you know Bregazzi I've I've had once but that was you know it was back in the day 2015 I would love to get him back but now he's a theater dude you know so yeah that's a Tennessee kid right yeah yeah Yeah. so um yeah I had him a week after his second tonight show appearance and it was dead we had like 45 people like I'm like how but he was still a comedian's comedian then you know Mm -hmm. um now he's I mean he's one of the top drawing comedians yeah but really a tell Hedberg you know those are my people and I've seen them each you know I got to see Hedberg twice which was amazing um but you know my favorite ones today Sean Patton, Kinane, Rory Scoville, still a tell you know those are those are my my main ones and um really a tell and Rory you know but if I get a tell I'm done that's it <laughs> i <I'm> retiring <laughs> I'm going out yeah <laughs>
0: I think it's interesting you say that a lot of people that I'll talk to who uh, like I guess you just haven't maybe they're not as experienced in the comedy world or whatever they're just like oh yeah you I'd lo- know I'd love to see uh, I'd love to see Dave Chappelle in, in real life or I'd love to see Bill Burr in real life and it's like okay yeah like yeah they're in Top Dogs they're good but like there's yeah. so many other comedians so much other stuff that I mean about. this
1: yeah and podcasts has opened that up to so many a wider audience so you get people you know um, you know I've seen Burr live um, you know you, you think about like I've seen Brian Regan live you know like all these big comedians you know mm-hmm. it's like it's amazing to see what they do but you know I can't book them anymore unless I put them at the Hyman Center which is like a 2200 seater which yeah. I've tried but like you know some of them have exclusive contracts with this place and it's just so it's just a process but um, yeah just just keep trying to bring and like you know I'm trying to set up I want to set up like there's no comedy clubs here in the state. So I want to set it up where you come in, you do two shows on a Friday, two on a Saturday, if they're selling at a Thursday, at a Sunday and set it up. And so in February when I had Norman, that's what it felt like because we did, we did five shows in two days. Right. Because the, the capacity was 75 people per show. Whereas, you know, so I did, you know, five shows at 75. Whereas before I could have took that out one show, you know, or, you know, so that, but that weekend felt good. Cause like on Friday, you know, we did two shows. We're like, Whoa, that's, that's pretty cool. And then the next day we did three shows of six, eight and 10 at the end of the night, you're like, Whoa, you know, and I'm only hosting doing 10 minutes and he's doing, you know, an hour each time. So he did three hours that day. And I'm like, that's, that's crazy. But, you know, but you get to watch and you get to learn how someone will, do their set and change little things and, and watch things grow. And that's, that's to me, that's my favorite part is to be able to just sit there and just watch and study. If I lived in a town with a comedy club, you know, as a fan, I would probably get a job there just so I could mm-hmm. watch all the shows. Like, I don't know what I would do. I'd like just make me something. So I could just watch the shows or whatever, you know? So, um, but yeah, I would spend all my time there because to me, it's, that's my favorite thing to do is just watch people you know mm-hmm. un- uninterrupted just watch a show yeah. mm-hmm.
0: that was my favorite though so whenever i actually that night that i met you in Lafayette, that was uh, the ian laura show mm-hmm. and he was he was hilarious he killed every single joke whenever he went up there yeah. and i i that was like my first actual like comedy show like i'd been to open mics before mm-hmm. but i never like hey buy a ticket for this show that's coming up So that was that was a really cool experience. Like you said, just watching everybody and seeing uh, just seeing everybody go up there. And because I think I had like five people that uh, went up there in total that night and just seeing the different styles. I was like, man, I have not I've only been to open mics. And like you said, you never want your first comedic experience to be an open mic. So that was very interesting. And And I'm actually going to see my very first like big show on Thursday. I'm going to see uh, Sebastian Maniscalco in,
1: uh, oh nice in, uh, nice, in
0: New Orleans. Yeah, I love it. that. That's my favorite comedian. I love it. it's. Nobody ever knows who I'm talking about whenever I bring him up.
1: But. Yeah, I mean, he's now he's so huge. I mean, he went from he exploded. I don't know what happened, but he exploded. I mean, he's doing the singer, which is crazy amount of people, and he's doing two shows at night. So yeah, yeah. That's uh, I tell people like, if you, I always tell comedians, and, and 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 it aggravates me like big time um where when people don't go watch comedy so you know whether you you're getting up that night go watch an open mic but it's not until you see a real show and you watch a pro do 45 minutes to an hour and you realize oh like you, it, it, it just makes sense and if you just stay in open mics and you know i've had someone say well i don't like live comedy but i'm like but you're a comedian like or come meet like what like you got to go out there because if not you don't understand like because your whole world is just five minutes five minutes five minutes you know max that's you know if you're in new orleans you're getting three you know maybe four Mm -hmm. so but if you're not going watch a show and see how it's set up watch and and it's almost studying you got to go okay this is the host what does the host do um you know and that's i host all my shows and i know that as a host you, you, you fall on the knife. Like you're, you're the sacrificial lamb because you have to go out there. You've got to get them quiet without telling them to be quiet. You know, you got to do everything and then watch, you know, opener and watch the feature and what's the difference between them. And then watch the hitliner and watch how that person takes control of a room and then the amount of material that you need, you know, and, and everything. And if, so if you're not watching that, you're not, you're just not learning, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and if you're not going to shows, why are you, why are you doing comedy? You know, what's, what's the point? So that's my other biggest, you know, pet peeve. And when I can like for national shows, if the comedian's cool with it, I let comedians in for free or -hmm. sometimes it may be five or maybe a $10 thing, but you're going to watch a national comedian who's got all these credits and the tickets are 20, 25, $30 and you're getting it for five or 10 bucks or sometimes free. There's no excuse not to come to the show. And if you're not going to a show, then what's your, what's your plan? You know, if your world's just open mics, well, I don't, I don't know what to say, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. and so I I don't know, I get, but I take it personally because I'm always, I've always been a comedy fan and it's like, you can't get mad because you're not getting other gigs when you're not even doing the work, you know, no one's. Yeah. So there's things like that, but I mean, that's part of the whole scene and, you know, those who, and then COVID was a good test because, there's been a few comedians who pre-COVID just weren't really working on taking, you know, working on their sets. And then after there's a few that like really like stepped up and you're like, Oh, like what, where did this come from? But it's, Mm -hmm. it's great because you know, all right, you're really working hard. So that's the other thing too. And then it's just also growing a scene too. So many people want to do comedy. They do one, two times and they disappear. And then sometimes they come back or sometimes they just stay gone. And it's like, you want to keep encouraging people, you know? So I, I don't know. It's, uh, it's something I wrestle with all the time because I want everyone to keep doing it, but I understand, mm-hmm. you know, some people just don't have the the time or the the wants to do it, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. That was something I heard Jerry Seinfeld. He did an interview with uh, Tim Ferriss and uh, <laughs> I was listening to the podcast and Tim had asked Jerry about, he was, he was talking about like, Hey, what advice do you give to, you know, comedians are on the come up or whatever. And he said, literally, you are doing comedy. And if you stick with it, you're going to make it. But it's because you have, to, and he went and explained it. Like all you have to do is because if you stick with it, like, like you're every time you go out there, you're testing new material, you're testing the crowd and it's, it, it evolves every time you do it. So if you, as long as, you know, you stay with it and keep it up, then you're going to, I mean, it's just trial and error. And the yeah, numbers, yeah. Are, you just, you know, the more times you do it, the better chances you're going to have. So I mean, I guess that's with anything, but I mean, it's that like, I get like every time I go up there and I do stand up, like learn something new from it, or I learn like when a joke will, will work better. And just all being able to understand that and reflect on it and be like, okay, this, this is how I should do it next time. And just rolling with it from there.
1: Yeah. You learn all those ins and outs. And like when you're, especially when you're live on the stage and when something good happens and it makes it so much better. And like for you or you add, or you riff, riffing is my favorite. Cause like mm-hmm. you get some happy accidents or you think like right here, Oh, I can do that. That happened to be Saturday night. Like right in the middle, no Friday night, right in the middle of the joke. I was like, I can add this tag and mm-hmm. it was a simple little one-liner and I did it and it was the biggest pop of the night. And I was like, well, why don't I do that all the time? Like, I forgot about that. You know, um, I, I listen a lot of podcasts and like Matthew Broussard, who's, uh, mm-hmm. who's a great, uh, comedian. I don't know why I said Broussard. Everyone says <laughs> that like Broussard, Broussard, uh, from here. Um, he, he said during COVID, what well, the best thing he did, he went through every joke he ever written like from when he started, he categorized his bits and he found like old stuff that he can still use. He's an amazing writer, but when you find stuff like that, so that's when I'm, I started trying to do it, but I was on a camping trip. So it was kind of like, I didn't want to work in a tent, but I need to like sit. That's my other thing. I need to do the back work. right? And I don't write new stuff. I try every now and then, but I don't sit and write and I've never done that. So all my stuff has come up like, thought, let me put this down and let's see. And sometimes you get a beautiful, happy accident. And like my 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 bit I mentioned earlier, the the cereal bit of the gross bit, that one that happened just within two tries, boom, I had that bit like in like mm-hmm. five. And it was so it was so crazy how that worked. But a lot of them like I've been stuck in a rut lately and I'm doing some bits and I'm not just doing I'm not doing the homework. So I'm not really mm-hmm. like working it, working it, working it over in my head and edit it and before I get on stage so that's on me and I know that and I'm you know I'm I'm really hard on myself but it's when you get up there and you do something and something works that's the best feeling in the world and if it can become then you start adding it in or sometimes just like like when I did that Jim Brewer show you know I wasn't even halfway through my material because I was having so much fun with that crowd Mm -hmm. um that's the best, you know, and, and you can't replicate it, you know, it's different each night, but when you find those little things that work, oh man, you know, I mean, I, I have sets. I know that, okay, I, I can go do this and go do this, go do this, but you don't want it to become boring, just a repetition, you know? So. Right. Yeah. But I just need to do that back, that, that, you know, that, that, that legwork of like really writing and doing things. Cause like I'll abandon stuff. Like I've been doing stuff at the beer garden, and like, I'm not touching that anymore. You know, I'm like, okay, I, I'm just, I, you know, I already quit comedy tonight. I don't want to quit twice. And then, then I'll touch in a few weeks and let's just see. So. Yeah.
0: All right, man. Well, I appreciate you for coming on. We're about out of time. Uh, before we go, I wanted to plug the show I have coming up. It's uh, the laughing out loud comedy show at crying Eagle brewery. It's going to be me. Cole Charter, Seth Hartley, a couple guys from Baton Rouge, Patrick Evie from Houston, and then, uh, uh, Barrett Kyle from here in Lake Charles. He's going to be the host. Uh, we're going to have a great show. I'm going to put the link for Lafayette Comedy where you can find all of the shows that JP mentioned uh, in the bio. I'm also going to put the link for my show in there, uh, and we hope to see you all out there. But Thanks, man. Cool. I appreciate cool. you coming on. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you, man. Absolutely. Uh, oh, wrong okay. <laughs> thing.